ora e te whānau, nau mai haru mai ki te rangatahi kei runga podcast. Uh, you guys know my ugly face and probably getting sick of me. Um, and just to let you know, I've this is take two and I've only just pushed the record button, so sorry about that, Sarah. Anyway, um, just to all our viewers out there and our whānau who have been keeping up with our episodes on our podcast, just a big mahi to you all. Um, it's always uh, really refreshing getting your guys' messages and, and, and um, comments and, and supportive um you know, supportive gestures from you guys. So it's really cool, and it's cool to hear that some rangatahi out there are really responding to this. But I'm going to throw it to my man, my main man, Dawson. How are you, brother? I'm very good, brother. Tēnā I'm very excited about today's uh, podcast with our special guest. Um, but I'll let her introduce herself and her, her experiences. Uh, tēnā <laughs> All right, I'll introduce myself again, um, this time hopefully to people who are watching and listening. Um, but uh, kia ora everyone, my name is Sarah, I'm 24, I live um, and have been raised in Manirewa, um, still live here now, pretty much work here as well, um, and you'll have to stick around for this whole podcast to hear about the many, many hats that I wear, so that's me. Awesome. Um, talking about the many hats, I feel like I'm repeating myself again, but I was doing some research eh, and... I was looking at your Insta, I was looking at Facebook, I was looking at the Choice website, I was looking, you know, these things you're going to get into, but you were described as so many different things, like social innovator, social entrepreneur, businesswoman, rangatahi advocate, community advocate, and I'm guessing there's probably many, many other hats um, that you're wearing, but I guess a good starting point for us would be rangatahi itself and youth, and I guess looking at that portai, Maybe share with us again, um, you know, your your experiences and insights working with young people. Yeah, so my experience working with young people started when I was about 16. Um, I was uh, at James Cook High School and I was Shout just out. getting a <laughs> Shout out to our JC peeps, but um, <laughs> we, we were just, I was just starting to get involved with lots of different community organizations. Um, joining some youth groups and things like that in the community who were, yeah, just, you know, out and about in the community. So that was my first exposure as a young person in doing kind of community work and community development and stuff like that. Um, and it kind of progressed very quickly where I found myself. Um, oh, actually, I came to the realization that I was really good at delivering events, which is why I'm a qualified event manager to this today. Um, but when I was 16, 17, I realized, well, I'm actually pretty good at events. And so let me continue to do this um, and give back to my community. And so found myself as a 16, 17 year old delivering these huge events that were supposed to go completely over my head. And I'm speaking like $10,000 um, community events, wow. um, like massive workshops with uh, and leadership conferences with 80 or 100 uh, young people there. Um, and so that was my first kind of exposure um, going from a young person um, being surrounded by, you know, youth groups and stuff like that to actually being a young leader in, um, I guess, Manirewa um, and surrounding myself with all of these other rangatahi and trying to usher them through and things like that. Um, I see that kind of as like the events and that little pathways to that the pathway that's taken me to the directions that I am in now. Um, and so we'll fast forward a little, but um, essentially uh, the long story short is 
Um, I ended up getting elected to council when I was 20. So I finished up JC, I decided to take a gap year and I just loved serving my community of Manirewa so, so, so much as a young person, as a 16 to now a 19 year old that I really wanted to do something more. Um, you know, I had, fe I felt like I had peaked in what I could do for delivering events to my community. And that actually the next stage for me was to be at the decision-making table where uh, important decisions are being made for, you know, my community. And so ran in the election, um, I, I actually won, which was quite surprising. Um, I got the last seat. So there's eight seats on the local board and I came eighth. Um, which was incredible. So I campaigned as a 19 year old and then won my election just as I had to wow. 20. Um, and so that was my, yeah, that was kind of my exposure to, my exposure to rangatahi was very short, but very um, quick as well. You know, 16 year old, just wanting to get involved in a community and serve a community to that being taken to another level a couple of years later. Um, yeah um i guess to continue on that so i spent one term in auckland council uh, so one term is three years so from 2016 to 2019 um, october last year um i spent uh as a essentially a politician for Manirewa, um and then i made an exit out of there um and have been and am still involved with rangatahi across Auckland um, on a regional basis now. Um, and I'll talk a bit about that. Do you want me to talk about that now or later? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, just hearing you caught it all and then for me, it's like, I, I want to know why. Like, why did you decide to run events for community? Why did you decide to run, you know, run for the local board and, you know, like, what, what was the why behind it? Because you, you're kind of talking about you're doing, you've been doing this thing, you felt like you wanted to, but like, what's the real nitty gritty? Like, why? I have always been saying it, and it is, and I will continue to say it, like, there's just something about wanting to see young people flourish, be given opportunities to, to flourish, um, to find their pathways just as much as I did that um, really gives me a drive to do these things. Um, I like to think that, yeah, and everything that I do in essence is me trying to one, inspire young people, uh, two, me trying to prove to people that young people are just as capable of doing all of these things. Um, three, it's when I do these things, I always try and create an opportunity out of it for young people to either be huddled through and i what i mean by that is my short period of time spent in council was intentional because for me it was me putting my foot in the door keeping it ajar for just enough for enough young people to come through and usher them through and then that, that was my time over but in actual fact there was now young people coming through in a, in a succession as a result of my me being in that space um so yeah, just my desire to just see young people flourish um, and succeed. And yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's so cool. Boss. That's me. That's inspiring. Like, so for people that um, might not understand how council works, how did, how did your, uh, 
how do you like put your name forward to run a campaign, especially at such such a young age? Mm-hmm. Um, like I know at West Auckland, I don't think there's any 19-year-olds campaigning for the Waitakere side, but you know, but you've done it, so it is possible. So, um, yeah. What are the steps that you took to to get into council? Yeah. So you just need to be 18 years old. So that's the minimum. Uh, the second point is you need to find $200. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> always going to be the biggest barrier for a young person to run in the election. Yeah. I was lucky because I had a an older person who believed in what I was wanting to achieve and also nice. what I had been doing, who actually sponsored that for me. And I think there are a lot of young leaders um, in, our, in and across Auckland who have mentors that could easily be like, yes, I absolutely believe in what you're doing and want to do. And so I will happily sponsor $200, you know. $200 <laughs> is nothing to some people to me yeah. as a yeah. stall a broke 20 absolutely. year old. <laughs> it's, it's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the minimum is, you need to be minimum 18 years old, because um, obviously that's the age to vote as well. But um, also, uh, yeah, you need a $200 and then you just fill out the application form um, and get all the things in. Um, yeah, so. Okay, so that's the process. So the next step is running your campaign, like uh, what's yeah. your strategy towards getting people to vote for you, especially yes. being so young? Absolutely. So you need exposure in the community, which is a big one. Um, mm. and to be exposed, you need money, <laughs> which again is another, it's going to be another barrier for young people who are probably studying, got student loans, yeah. uh, working part-time or casual roles, things like that. Um, and so um, I had to pull a lot of money out of my savings towards my campaign. Um, but yeah. also because of just the networks um, that I had built since I was 16, running all of these events and all of the people that I had brought onto my side, essentially, um, when I put a call out for donations, they came so easily. Like nice. people really believed, actually, you know, we don't have a young person on the board. We don't even have a Pacific person on the board. Um, and yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but I'm Samoan, and yeah. um, I was actually the first <laughs> Pacific person to be elected to the Manitoba local board, wow. Um, wow. which is incredible. But That's also, funny. that shouldn't be a thing, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, Manitoba has such a high Pacific population, it's like it should just be a given that there should be somebody there now who is, of, you know, who is Pacific Islander. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to go and campaign, you need exposure and you need funds to fund that campaign and so I found myself buying a lot of billboards so I painted Manidewa orange uh, and that's still the colour of you know I'm going to talk about choice soon but that's still a colour that I've carried on as this theme of orange and so I painted Manidewa orange um, you know, young people are really into merch, such, such as the culture jumper you're wearing now, um, Jordan, and, you know, I, I bought out some bumpers um, with my face on it saying, you know, Sierra for Mandioa, things like that. Young people are really into it. Um, I not so much now that I see the photo I use. Um, <laughs> and I just continue to do what I was always doing, which was just being active and visible in the community um, for... For myself, it wasn't so much of an effort because I had been actively involved in the community since I was 16. And so going to community events, um, going to the, the the Sunday markets, things like that was a thing that I already was doing prior to the elections. But for a young person who might be doing campaigning for the first time, this will be a huge effort for them to have a Monday to Sunday schedule of, you know, 
got to go to the Sunday markets, have to go to this community event, have to go to this prize giving at this time, and then the same thing later that day, another prize giving. Um, yeah. Oh, and I did, which was actually the coolest part of it, was um, sign waving at the Clendon Roundabout, which was really <laughs> fun, actually. I made, it a, I made it a thing and so that I, um, I had lots of young people with me um, for every one of those. And it was just a whole cool experience for all of these young people in their school uniforms, straight from JC, waving signs. I've, I gave someone a, um, a megaphone, you know, and, and they were yelling things and then someone was playing some um, music and we were just dancing and things like that. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's, that's more than pretty cool. That's like amazing. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's a really cool, it's amazing what you did, that story and how, how important it was for you as a 19 year old. And, you know, going into Auckland Council, was it daunting? Because I, I find, and you know, Dawson and I share a whakaaro that, um, you know, we need to talk to rangatahi. Like if anything to do with young people, you know, they're probably the starting point <laughs> before we do anything. Um, and for you to be 19, um, you know, at the table, representing not only your community, but young people, you talked about being, you know, the first bus fika person. Like these are a lot of... Um, you know, to go along with that hat, you're carrying a lot of people on your back as well. What is it about? What are, you know, not to like put you, in, but like, what? Why was it important that you were there, and what what what's important about like youth participation? Just on that though, like I always, my joke is that all of those people that I carried is the reason why I have back problems nowadays. <laughs> Um, so your question around why is it important for young people to be there and, you know, youth participation and things like that. Um, I think it should just be a given that if you're in any community, any city, any space, any organisation or business, if your business or organisation or anything, if anything is going to impact young people in any way, it should be a given that young people should be not only involved in those conversations, they okay. should be designing designing those conversations, designing the solutions. They should be at the center of all of those conversations that are going on. That should just be the minimum, the minimum. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not restricted to young people. I think that should also involve, um, you know, any type, any demographic of people. If it's, mm -hmm. if your work, if your uh, conversations are about them, if your work's gonna impact them of any nature, that person should be in those conversations. It's not just restricted to young people, um, but you know, young people are pretty important in, in our lines of work, um, you know, because a lot of our work does impact them at the end of the day. And so um, that's a reason why young people should be at the tables of these discussions. Uh, and I guess tying onto that whole weight of carrying, you know, all of that responsibility, that was huge for me during those three years that I was on there, I left council so exhausted. Um, I felt like I had aged like 20 years. <laughs> I was like picking gray hairs at the end of my term out of my head. Um, and, and that's only because you're absolutely right. Like I found myself carrying so much responsibility as a single person, a uh, single young person having to, uh, you know, 
ensure there was cultural competency for not only myself, but for, you know, Māori as well. I'm not Māori, but this is something that I'm learning and that I value. And so even having to uh, speak that into the conversations and make sure that are we bringing the right people into these conversations? Are we designing it correctly? Things like that. Uh, So much responsibility um, is what I was saying. Um, Yeah, but it's just really important that every single person, as I was saying earlier, who's going to be impacted is part of those conversations. And I'm biased because I value young people more. So I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. They should be at the center. So yeah. Your thoughts, Dos? (laughs) <laughs> nah, bro, you already know my whakaro around um, that, you know, if you're yeah. not at the table, you're on the menu, um, you know, and you can't, you know, that's valuable that you're there for your, for your community. Um, mm. and, and I think about that all the time, Frangatai, like when we, when me and Jordan have coffee and talk about <laughs> the impact that we, we want to make with Rangatai, uh, we need to talk to Rangatai. <laughs> we need to have the rangatai at the table um, and design solutions for them, not design solutions based on what we think needs. Because it's, it was, it's been a it's been a couple of years since I've been at, in the rangatai space. Um, so, you know, um, what I needed as a rangatai has probably changed. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we don't really know about that change if they're not at their table. So, you know, toitoko, mafakaro, um, that you just brought up. Yeah, and I and that's that's another thing that I um was I guess that was a really hard part of being on council for me as well was um calling out when I noticed that things were just token or decoration um and those are really hard conversations to have and to explain to people why the thing they were doing was not authentic youth participation um or not authentic participation for any demographic group Um, and those conversations were really hard because actually more often than not I was the only one who was who was calling that out, but also able to articulate that, um, because it was not yeah. it was not a thing that my other board members were, um, you know, were familiar with, and so I was kind of tasked with having those really hard conversations a lot of the time, um, and not being able to have my board members back me up or support me because they didn't, you know, in probably in actual fact they were siding with the staff member because. They, they thought it was authentic um, and not placing any blame, but it's, it is a learning process, actually. It's a very long learning process to authentically involve young people. Um, and it's one thing to know Hart's Ladder. You guys know Hart's Ladder? Yeah. <laughs> um, but to actually deliver on it um, yeah. is a whole <laughs> conversation. Yeah. yeah. Just um, touching on those learning points, like what a... Uh, just to wrap up the council talk, what are two learning points that you took away from the three years in council that um, have been, that you've been able to transition into your next or your future or how you approach your mahi now? Oh, I had a lot of learnings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And why that is, is because I didn't have a nice exit from council. And I didn't mention that earlier, but actually I lost my re-election in October last year. Um, and so there was a lot of learnings that came out of that and I didn't lose for any one particular reason um, but the long story short is I was bullied off the board um, and was uh, in a kind of limbo state where I had to stand as an independent um, and yeah I found myself kind of in this isolating experience 
which was quite contrasting from my first time running an election to, mm -hmm. you know, being second time running, being bullied, um, and it actually being a real public bullying, like it was in the media and things like that on social media. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I had a lot of, lot of learnings. Um, and I guess the first one would be that I, I know that council is not set up to have young people there. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good learning, but I learned that the hard way. Um, Cause at the start, actually, I would admit that like when I walked into council was a bit naive um, and obviously I've matured very quickly in those three years and learned at the end, uh, walking out uh, beaten and bruised um, and just exhausted that council was not set up to have young people there. And until there are structural um, and systemic changes, um, yeah, young people will continue to walk out battered and bruised just as much as I was and tired and exhausted. Um, and actually nowadays I find myself um, saying, um, not in a way to discourage, but actually just saying in a real way that I don't think you should run for council <laughs> to young people who ask me. Um, and that's merely because, uh, yeah, as I was saying, the, the system in which uh, Auckland Council operates is not, it's, it's not a safe space for young people to be there. It does not protect you. Um, and it is not a space where you will flourish. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was my first learning. Um, my second learning is that you can get a lot more done on a grassroots level. <laughs> Kia ora. <laughs> Things take a long time in council, <laughs> like years for just one thing to get actioned. Um, and I witnessed that many, many times. In fact, things that I approved back in 2017, um, 2018 are only just coming to fruition now. <laughs> it's like three years later. Um, and I can't even be able to stand there and say, you know, I was part of making this decision because um, I'm not on council anymore. Yeah. Um, but essentially, I I learned very quickly, actually, that I missed being on the ground, getting my hands dirty. Mm -hmm. I remember very distinctly in my first week of um, uh, what do you call induction into council, I remember them asking, oh, what are you excited for the most? And I said, I can't wait to get my hands dirty. And they looked at me and kind of laughed. And I, and I realized very quickly that actually when you're, on a in a position like being a local board member you're not going to get your hands dirty <laughs> staff will the staff will fool you but you're strictly governance you're strictly advisory you don't do any operational whatsoever and as a young person who um found her way onto council because i was getting my hands dirty because i was grassroots um i yeah i i didn't enjoy it um, I didn't enjoy sitting back and making decisions and then watching everyone else get their hands dirty. I really wanted to be on the ground, uh, walking alongside young people and helping these organisations. But often I was getting my hands slapped, you know, get back out of there. Because um, I was just like, oh, what if I just do this? Um, but yeah. yeah. I, I, always, um, I always feel like if I'm not getting in trouble, then I'm not doing enough. Yeah. <laughs> Like if, if I'm not getting growled or a slap on the hand or someone's coming to have a word with me, it's because I'm not shaking things up enough or being as disruptive as I need to be. So props to you, kudos to you for doing that and you know, having the mana, the mana to be able to go to that space and then come back out and think, you know what, I took some learnings from that. That was cool. I take that experience. And 
One of the next things I wanted to talk about in, in terms of learnings, because it's been a huge learning for everyone in the country, actually globally, was COVID-19. COVID and there was something really cool that happened during COVID that I want you to talk about. Um, but if you can share about your COVID experience and then talk about this really cool initiative that you came up with that's turned into whatever it's turned into now, if you can share with us. Yeah, so lockdown happens. Um, this is me going to attempt to do the short story version. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like I said, I'm a qualified event manager and I've had a side business, an event management business since 2017. And as soon as lockdown hit, as we know, with a lot of businesses, not just myself, um, I lost contracts overnight um, oh, wow. and I lost income that was projected for the rest of the year and was going to get me my first house. <laughs> Just lost overnight. Um, and as we know, the events industry is still, still taking a huge hit as we speak. Um, and so, yeah, I found myself very, very stressed um, thinking, you know, what am I going to do with my business? Things like that. How is it going to turn out after the end of this lockdown? But I noticed that um, there was like a pivot in the event space. Like people who were running events typically in person were starting to do online events. And I thought I could, I could do that. And so how do I get more clients in this time who potentially want to flip their events into online ones without having to spend money on Facebook ads or Google ads, because I am incredibly stingy yeah. <laughs> as a small business, my pocket for marketing is very small. And so I didn't want to spend money on ads is the long story short. And yeah. so through my research and looking at how people were pivoting and changing and adapting, I thought, why don't I just create a Facebook group that is purely for self-promotion and goes against the grain of what a normal Facebook group would Facebook group would do and I say go against the grain because if you're not familiar with setting up a Facebook group one of the default rules that Facebook provides is no self-promotion like it's just a given um, and so I thought why don't, why don't we just flip that um, not take one of Facebook's suggestions and just create a Facebook group that's purely self-promotion and so I started this Facebook group and it used to be called New Zealand Made Products um, and it was the second week of lockdown I launched this. By the end of that first week, um, this Facebook group had over 10,000 members across wow. New Zealand and the world, I guess. By the second week, it was 36,000, and then by the um, by June, so April, yeah, so just under two months, we hit 500,000 members, uh, international and domestic members. Um, right. So essentially the group is just a platform for you to be able to promote your business, your products and your services free of charge. You just post in the group um, and you follow a certain template, which is um, under the rules that I have. Um, and yeah, it went mental <laughs> as I was explaining with the membership, like not only did the membership blow up um, at one point in time, and it was around about the beginning of May, there were over 10,000 posts in the queue waiting to be approved. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I had 20 volunteers working three shifts, morning, mid, and PM to, yeah, to tune out these, all these tens, you know, thousands of posts essentially. Um, yeah. 
So as of today, we are sitting on 540 something thousand members. <laughs> um, 500 of 500,000 of which are all Kiwis. And then we have a very large portion, 22,000, which are from Australia. And then we have smaller amounts from the UK um, and things like that. And it's kind of just like all the expats and the Kiwis that miss home and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> so we've got this Facebook group. It's been <laughs> around for three months. And then at the end of July, um, and actually before that, I had partnered with uh, uh, Indigo, this d design and innovation company, which you guys know, Pat um, is part of that. And I partnered with them to take the Facebook group to the next level because I had been hearing through the thousands of people that they were like, why don't you check, create a website of some sort? And I was like, yes, I'll create a website. Like, <laughs> but I need money to do that. Like, and time and employees and things like that. Um, and so partnered with Indigo um, and we rebranded the group at the end of uh, July. We changed it to what we see now as choice with two O's and we say two O's for extra awesome. But in actual, <laughs> in actual fact, the person who owns choice.co.nz wouldn't give us the domain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so two O's for extra awesome. We rebranded we re the Facebook group from New Zealand made products to choice. We also launched, launched uh, choice.co.nz um, at the same time, which is a, a marketplace. I guess you can liken it to Amazon or eBay or Trade Me, in which you can find pretty much anything. Um, in this case, it's all NZ owned and operated businesses who have stores on choice. Uh, and it's there's no listing or success fees. So any money that these businesses make on choice.co.nz goes purely back to them. Um, in other words, I'm still broke. <laughs> I'm still broke, sweet warrior. <laughs> um, and we also do daily lives as well. So we launched all of these things at the same time and rebranded the group with no warning to the members. We were just like, surprise, this is a new name, new website, uh, all of these things. And you have to be on board. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's where we're at today. Um, in, re in regards to the website, um, we last week had just had a huge milestone. We hit $500,000 on sales on the website. Um, oh. We're closing in on 600,000 and probably before the end of the year, we'll hit the $1 million of Christmas sales. timing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's going mental. So yeah. I'm like sitting <laughs> here, I'm sitting here. I can't even fathom me. I can't, I'm like, what, how many, <laughs> what? How many? And then the numbers <laughs> keep growing and growing. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Bro, that's crazy. Those, bro, what are your thoughts, brother? That's that story is awesome. Um, but I think it reminds me that um one of my mates said that um when you're broke, you're in your most most creative state. because um, he was he's got his own import export business in Thailand. Um, and he said like money makes you lazy. He said now he he pays for things that he could do himself, but when he was broke and he didn't have that financial freedom, he got really creative and that's how he got into his industry. And I think he just highlighted that, you know, like you're, you had just lost contracts, uh, but you thought of this creative way to do something with our money and you've been able to turn it into something that's that's massive. And not only that, you've, you've been able to help people. You know? and, and that's inspirational for me. Like, it's like, man, that's awesome. 
You um, went from like sign waving to almost 600k <laughs> sales on the on the website. Like choice, double O choice. Double O, extra awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that um you know Dawson and I work in education and uh, we see a lot of the we see a lot of positives and we see a lot of negatives with that. And particularly working with rangatahi, um, what we tend to do in education spaces, are, in, in my words, we, we kabihoa rangatahi and we say, mm. hey, um, we need you to reach to meet these this criteria and these achievement standards so that you can go into these jobs over here in this industry. And um, me, me and the bro here, we're just like, nah, that's not cool. We want our young people to be aspirational. We want them to be creative. We want them to be 19 sign waving outside James Cook High School. We want them to be creating Facebook groups. Um, some, just some real cool, I guess, three pieces of advice to any rangatahi out there who are looking to become entrepreneurs or, or looking at business. What are some three, like, just three pieces of advice you could give me? <laughs> All right. So I am a big believer in, um, and you close your ears if you don't like this. I, I, I believe that taking a gap year as soon as you finish school is really important. <laughs> <laughs> and let me explain why. You've spent all of this time in the education system, which is telling you to be a certain way, to go in a certain direction, to fit Probably. in this mold of society, please. Um, but in actual fact, you haven't had any second to figure out who you are outside of your friends, outside of your family, uh, figure out who you are as an individual. And mm. I mean, even as we are sitting here now, it's going to be a lifelong journey of figuring out who we are as a person. But mm. actually that time, taking that time after you've been in the education system is, is kind of kind of like the first space or gap I see before you get delve into the workforce and things like that and get stuck in this progressive loop. Um, but essentially I took a gap, yeah. I was actually supposed to do archaeology. Um, I had been planning to do archaeology for a very long time, I know. <laughs> and it was through me going out uh, think joining a local community group um, to and it wasn't even like an extracurriculum thing to me like I didn't think of it as that way it was me like I want to go join a local community group and get my hands dirty just because I really enjoy painting murals and things like that um, and so let me just go go live out this thing through this group um, and actually that's the thing that kind of set in motion me finding out I'm good at events and then me taking a you know, realizing I could put archaeology in hold, go do event management later on in life instead. Um, but yeah, I think that that gap year is really important. Um, another, I can guess. I, another... Sorry, sorry. Can I just say, she said gap year, not gap years. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> yes, one, like one year. It's really important. And I, I actually agree, though, because we, we have to be disciplined to actually like, yep, yeah, okay, we've done as much as we can in this year. Because um, I do actually see a few few people in, in my life who've, who've turned that year into years and are still going on the years, yeah. still trying to figure out who they are. <laughs> yep, decade. Yeah. <laughs> so a year. Um, and yeah, I guess what else you would do is... Um, 
yeah don't let that creative side of you die eh? like (laughs) you can can get so suckered into like the routine of life which is like wake up at nine or wake up at six and then work and then go to bed and then just like repeat (laughs) but actually we need to keep up some sort of creativity in our life um to continue to nurture that side of us that is like um exploration and childlike and um innovative and things like that um and that's not only important for like you know that side of creativity is not only important for like getting your hands dirty and things like that it's actually um relates to how you make decisions in your own life as well and so if you can keep up that creativity uh it subsequently um helps inform the way in which you see life and the way in which you make decisions in your life um I guess another piece of advice is just do (laughs) like I do a lot of things. So as you can probably tell, I've worn a lot of hats and I've done a lot of things and uh, I haven't sat around making plans or thinking, okay, I'm going to do this and that and that, um, or I'm not, I can't start that yet because I haven't got the business plan done or anything like that. In actual fact, I've just taken that first step forward taken another one, taken another one, executed, ex- and just done, just do it. Um, and the, once the snowball is rolling, you just got to keep it going with the flow of things. But essentially, you're not going to get anything done um, trying to wait on plans and things to fall into place or timing to come in, come in and the sky to change colour and things like that. Um, <laughs> you've just got to do. Um, and actually, I guess, I, I don't know if you said three or I am going to do a fourth one. Go for it. <laughs> but I love, um, actually, I don't love it, but I, I fail a lot. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't not. Um, and the way in which I perceive mm-hmm. failures or losses or falling over in life in my life, I see it as building character. Um, and that's how I will continue to perceive those things because actually I don't want to, I, I want to learn lessons from all of, all of them, actually. That's all I want to do. And the more lessons we can learn, the more lived experiences that we will have to be able to inform again our decision-making. So yeah. if you can continue to do, you will continue to fail, but with those failures, you can continue to build character and help and I think it's just the reality is that um, some people fail and give up uh, but we, we all fail at, at sometimes in our lives and and I think the most important key for it I'm gonna tell you is that um, no one knows who they are at 20 even at 30 I didn't know who I was but I knew who I wasn't and I think that's the main thing you know you try something you do something uh, man, I was, I tried scaffolding construction. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of those guys. I, I found out week two until I was like, nah, that's, that's not me. Uh, but you know, it's okay. It's okay to give up and quit and try something else. Um, but that's life. It's, it's a journey. Exactly. So. Killed yeah, and, that, and that's just the example of you trying to figure out who you are and you realize very quickly, <laughs> actually, this ain't, a, this yeah. ain't me. Yeah. <laughs> On to yeah. the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, we, we usually do this thing at the end of our corridor. Um, Dawson has like quick fire questions for you to answer. Um, but man, 
this is i'm glad we did this on a wednesday because honestly the rest of my week is going to be so cool i'm like happy as now like man that was such a cool quarter um but i've read some of my very those those man you got our quick fire questions for sarah yep yep i do i've got um well, I did have um, some advice, so I'll take that one up. But uh, we've got four questions. The first one is your favorite bakery or spot to eat in Manitoba? <laughs> uh, well, okay. I've, heard, I've been hearing a lot from um, another social media influencer that Manitoba has the, is the best place to eat. So who's your favorite place to eat in your community? Does it have to be a bakery or is it just any? No, nah, no, nah, any spot. It doesn't have to be a bakery. Um, so I am a regular of um, Yummy King Barbecue. <laughs> Oh, in Southall, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, pork and rice and things yeah. like that. Uh, otherwise, everybody knows Clendon Bakery. I mostly go there for the donuts. Actually, they have a chocolate and sprinkle one, which is so good. Otherwise, I am also a frequent visitor of uh, Bakehaven down in Clendon because they've got mean as fries, uh, which you can only get if you buy like a combo. And yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> spots i've heard a lot about that clean bakery i'm gonna have to try it out um someone who inspires you and why um someone who inspires me would be my parents it's kind of like the standard answer nowadays but actually uh, they taught me from a very young age about servant leadership um not like indirectly actually they taught me i watched them growing up for a very long time serving uh you know, just with full heart, without any wanting anything in return. Um, and so that's a big thing that I've applied to my life is servant leadership, um, which is why I do a lot of things that I do as well. I just serve as a way to give, not expecting anything in return. Um, yeah. Kilda, man. Um, what's one takeaway from 2020, like in COVID, like what's one learning that COVID has brought on to you? Uh, <laughs> Um, obviously anything can happen. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, just gotta, yeah, I don't mean, we, nothing is guaranteed. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything can happen at this point. We've, we've seen it all this year. <laughs> and final question, uh, what are two goals for 2021 for Sarah? Two goals, uh, two goals would be to, um, obviously continue to grow the business choice um and you know it's we're only three months in as an actual business and we've already surpassing the goal of five hundred thousand. so i am waiting in anticipation of what we'll be achieving at the six month mark or even the one year mark um what goals we'll be passing um and i guess the second thing would be second goal would be uh to invest a little bit more into my health and well-being um oh, which you know as people like ourselves who are always giving, 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 we can always put our own health and well-being last. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would like to take some time to lose the weight I got from lockdown, essentially. <laughs> so, so no bakery visits then? <laughs> yeah. No bakery. <laughs> Keto only. <laughs> hey, Sarah, before we sign off, um, do you mind sharing your socials and, and your website for, for our whanau out there? Yes. Um, so... For my own personal ones, uh, my Instagram is my name, Sarah Colhord. Uh, so is my Facebook page. 
Um, otherwise, if you're after choice, it is uh, choice.co.nz is the website and the Instagram is choice.nz. That's the handle as well as the Facebook page for choice is choice.nz. Otherwise, if you're looking for the Facebook group, which is the main shebang, it is just called choice. And remember that's choice with two O's. So. <laughs> hey, Sarah, uh, on behalf of Rangatahi Keirunga Podcast, myself and Dawson, really, really appreciate your time all the corridor and the hua or the gems that you shared with us um in this corridor man i don't know about rangatahi but i'm inspired so brother <laughs> <laughs> dos no no thank you for your time i truly appreciate it i uh, really enjoyed this conversation really enjoyed hearing your story um man i i wish you nothing but success from here on out like you're an inspiration not just to rangatahi but to our people especially our Samoan people so thank you sarah thank you very much <laughs> All right, I'm going to...